See me, hear me, touch me. What's the last one? Feel me. Feel me. <laughs> I'm Liza Poor. I'm Mike Pulasic. Every week, we randomly pick two movies from our stupidly large DVD collection, watch them, and discuss. When it's all over, we can only keep one. Two discs enter. One disc leaves. This is DVD, DVD Deathmatch. Death Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. How's it going? You okay? I am okay. Okay. It's been a rough uh, night. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, you, you, you were here. I was here. And everything's fine. Everything's good. Just parenting-wise, it was just a tough one. It was a rough one. Rough bedtime. A rough bedtime. But, uh... When you I, got little kids, sometimes they like to test their boundaries. Yeah. We, we love them all the same. Yeah. Well, and I truly, I truly, I truly am appreciative that I um, have a couple of uh, outspoken, courageous, strong girls uh but i would also like them to listen to me to go the fuck to bed <laughs> when it's fucking bedtime that's the, that's the one <laughs> that's what we call it in our house we call it fucking, fucking bedtime, bedtime. <laughs> hey uh kiddos it's fucking bedtime um <laughs> can you fucking go to sleep or i will fucking lose my mind <laughs> um no, no but it's just that you know it it's all good but so yeah. we're, we're hot on the heels of a rough bedtime yeah but i took a shot of tequila i'm feeling good great Let, let's talk about some some movies great shall we but first do we have any topics at the top uh, well, uh, you know what? I listened to, so I think the last one that came out was The Ring and Copycat. No, the last one that came out is uh, Rebootylicious with Emily and Brennan. The one before that was The Ring and Copycat. No, no, when we've, when we're recording this though. Yeah. Yeah. So the last, so I listened to the last one that came out at the time of this recording. Sure. And I will say, I said this to you. I feel like I didn't let you speak at all. <laughs> I I mean, I edited it. So maybe I just edited it in such a way that... Uh... Like, <laughs> not to cut you off, <laughs> but like, I was listening to it on the train home from work and I, it was the, it was copycat. We were having a good conversation and then it got into the ring and I feel like I just... Was like filibustering or something. You had a lot to say about the ring. I did, and you. I don't feel like you ever got to speak about it. <laughs> I don't think I had that much to say about the ring. I don't listen. I, it's not that I'm telling, trying to tell you you're wrong, but uh, I don't remember that. Listeners, weigh in. <laughs> what do you guys think? Was that was that a, a Mike P heavy episode? <laughs> Too much Mike P, maybe. Um, <laughs> But no, I'm trying to think of what else is going on. We started, uh, we watched, oh, you know what? We watched a spooky movie that I can recommend for spooky season. What? Which was The Night House. Yeah. Starring Rebecca Hall. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was pretty good. Agree. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely one of those, you don't want to know too much going into it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I did see the full trailer. Yeah. Because I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast yet. You love to watch the first 30 seconds of a trailer and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you love to, we start a trailer and you go, that's enough. And you turn it off halfway through. And I'm like, 
we haven't finished the trailer, man. And it's because you don't want things to be spoiled for you. Right, and there I, are trailers that show you the entire movie. If we're watching a trailer and I've made up my mind that I want to see it. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, my brain can't, doesn't function that way. I have to finish the, I have to finish the thing. Yeah. I usually, even when I'm watching <laughs> trailers alone, like on my computer, I usually stop them halfway. Yeah, up, I right? know. I know this about you. Okay, you do know this about me. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but, but yeah, so uh, you know, we saw the whole trailer because yeah. I think we saw the trailer in the movie theater yeah. where you can't scream up to the projection room and tell them to stop. So we no, saw the whole thing. There's no one there in movie theaters um, anymore. No one's in the projection no. room. Um, but yeah, so so if you're really like, eh, I don't know, watch the trailer. But can't recommend it enough. It was a really good watch. And there was a couple things I remember from the trailer that I wish I had not known and not seen. Yeah, I guess. But it was good. It was a good spooky movie. Very, very tense. Mm-hmm. Some good spooks and creeps, as we say. But not like gory, really. And not no, like. not too Not gory. hugely upsetting, although mildly upsetting. Mildly like, upsetting. You, you know want a horror I, movie to be kind of upsetting. But you, exactly. But yeah. you know what I mean. Like, it's not like traumatizing. And Rebecca Hall was great. Great. Wonderful. Um, Rebecca Hall. Biracial. Biracial. Did you know that? I Not didn't... you. Listeners, did you know that? I didn't know it until I were, you know, the host of the show that I work on called her uh, our black queen Rebecca Hall on the show. I, I truly can't believe it. Um, um, it's wonderful. But yeah, and she's got that movie coming out that I think she directed called Passing with yeah. Thompson. Mm-hmm. It's all about uh, passing. Here. You know what? It seems like it's about passing. <laughs> um, White passing. Is what we're right. saying, by the way. Um, I also watched. I just real quick before we get into it, I watched this movie, The Last of Sheila, mm-hmm. which I had seen talked about um, a bit because it's written. It's a murder mystery, very like Knives Out murder mystery. Okay, extremely. I think very inspirational to Knives Out, um, or and or maybe inspirational to the sequel because the sequel is happening in the Mediterranean. Anyway, regardless, <laughs> um, but murder mystery like locked room murder mystery on a boat. Uh, and it's written by Stephen Sondheim and Anthony Perkins, the screenplay. Oh. But it's not it's not a musical, but they wrote this. And it has such the feeling of, like, A, a fun, like, really well-done murder mystery. Mm-hmm. And also the feeling of, like, the Oceans sequels, which are like, oh, you all just wanted to hang out with each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, it, which I love. Mm-hmm. So, and I thought it was really good and really well done. And I really liked it a lot. That's all. Cool. Uh, the Last of Sheila, which was a movie like that until, I don't know, three months ago I had never heard of. Yeah, I've never, not heard of it. And then I uh, watched it this week and I loved it. I love that. That's all. Nice. Great. I do want to say one more time what a pleasure it was to have Brandon and Emily on the podcast. Really was. Last week. I'm currently editing it. Editing. 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 Are you going to edit this out? Mm-hmm. Leave it in. I'm currently editing it. Um, so, uh, but it's, and it's, it's just, it's so fun. I love those guys. It uh, was so fun. Yeah. I don't we think we mentioned this in that episode, but we, I, we know them because I did a bunch of theater with Brennan yeah. and, uh, he's, he's so lovely and his wife is so lovely, lovely. and I just love them both so much. And I yeah. was so happy when they said they would do the podcast and it was super fun. We hope you guys liked it. Okay. We'll have to have him back. We're going to have some more guests on soon. Yeah. I have to, I owe them an email. Like I'm excited. We're going to do it. It's going to be great. Love it. Guests, guests, and, guests. Yes. And. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, so far that the sound is, is pretty good on that episode, 
But and I'm I I might record a thing for the beginning of the next episode, but in case I didn't, bear with us on the sound quality. <laughs> We're working it out, you know. I think I I hope that I'm just being too hard on myself and that it sounds okay. You but, are. <laughs> but uh but bear with us. We're working on the best way to capture um guests on the podcast right Although, now. Although, you know, it is uh not, you're, I think you are being very hard on yourself about the sound quality, although, mm-hmm. you know, 40% of our listenership is a, a sound engineer mixer. I know. So. I know. <laughs> um, hey, Adam. Hey. Uh, <laughs> All right, y'all. This week. What do we do? We watched two more spooky movies. This is our last spooky movie episode. Is it really? Oh, no. How's that possible? I don't like I feel that. like this went really fast. It did. But this week we watched The Silence of the Lambs from 1991 and Rebecca from 1940. Mm-hmm. Let's kick it off with Silence of the Lambs. Kick it. As I said, from 1991, directed by Jonathan Demi. You nailed it. Great. You nailed his name. Great. Um, <laughs> and I, the IMDb summary is, a young FBI cadet must receive the help of an incarcerated and manipulative cannibal killer to help catch another serial killer, a madman who skins his victims. Ooh, spooks and creeps, man. <laughs> you know the silence of the lambs. I mean, I hope you do. It's a goddamn classic. It really is. It's really... Uh, you know, we haven't said it in a while. It's iconic. Iconic. It's un, it, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't even know what to say about the science of the I know. So, it, yeah, it almost feels silly to talk about it, but it, it is. Does, it, it does. It feels like a movie that's silly to talk about. Because yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the silence of the lambs, right, you know. Right. Um, but I will say it had been a while since I'd seen it because yeah. it is um, one that truly freaked me out the first time. Oh, that's funny. I saw it. Um and in a good way, in yeah. all of the good ways, but it, it it truly did scare me. So I was like, I don't want to watch it again. That's funny. I don't um, remember the first time I saw it. I really don't. It feels like a movie that was just always there. Uh, they like you you were born having watched it, even though it came out when I was, <laughs> you know, nine or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I definitely watched it for the first time with you. Like it was definitely you introducing yeah. it to me because it was, you know, it came out at a time when I was not watching scary movies and right. Then, uh, you were like, well, now that you're into scary movies, we got to watch The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. okay. Um, and it was funny to watch right after having watched Copycat for the podcast. It really was. Because, because like yeah. I said, you brought that up about Copycat being a copycat of Silence of the Lambs. And it had not occurred to me, which is seems very silly now. Right. There's so many parallels. <laughs> well, and it was just, I think it was literally just, I had had so much, I mean, distance from both of them, you know? So I wasn't thinking to compare them, but they truly, I mean, I wrote down a bunch of the, the parallels here. Yeah. Um, well, that thing, that just that trope of, hey, I'm going to talk to this, the incarcerated killer mm-hmm. who's going to help me catch the killer on the loose. Right. Feels like, I mean, obviously, I don't know if this, if Thomas Harris invented it for Red Dragon or for Signs of the Lambs or whatever, but like, um, it just feels like this is the this it this is the template for that. Yeah. And that so many things copycat for example, but so many things have used that trope. Yeah. Since. Like it just watching this, I mean, it just feels so not just copycat, but so influential. Like yeah. like seven and Zodiac and Mindhunter and Well, I was all gonna say things, this is know. potentially stupid, 
<laughs> That's the tagline for our podcast, by the way. Yeah. This is potentially, potentially stupid. stupid. I don't know. Um, but uh, Mindhunter is, is based on true-ish events, right? True-ish, I would yeah, say. Yeah, like not, I mean, you it's, know. it's based on true events for sure, but it. Of but kind of the like should... development of what a serial killer is and talking to this yeah, guy. and profiling them yeah. mental, mentally. So and... I feel like it must, you know, have started there in, in real life, you right, know? Right, right. Um, yeah, but, so you've got Jodie Foster, you've got uh, Anthony Hopkins, you've got, who else is in this movie? Um, you've got... Ted Levine, who plays Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Who, I mean, Ooh. he's like, I really, Ted, so Ted Levine, whenever he shows up, all I see is Buffalo Bill. Mm-hmm. And he is so good in this movie and so terrifying. Oh, so good. And I think the underrated, like, superstar of this movie. Yeah. Um, I I remember him in uh, Shutter Island, which is a movie that I'm the only person on the planet who loves. But, uh, <laughs> but I really do love it. And yeah. he's in that and he's just has the he's in it for like one scene mm-hmm. but just the menace that he has yeah. you know what i mean like i remember he's in um he's in uh the latest jurassic world movie too jurassic world fallen kingdom Ooh. which is a very stupid movie but i'm like i don't remember he's in that, that at all <laughs> yeah he's in that and he like you know i don't know he gets eaten by a velociraptor at some point or something but he's <laughs> just like he's just like one of those guys where he shows up and I'm, you're like Love to see you. Happy to, to see you. You're yeah. so good. He's he's truly incredible in this. And the thing I think that I, that there's a a real subtlety to it, right? Of, mm-hmm. To what he's doing. By which I mean, he's not like purposefully trying to be creepy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and he's got this whole backstory of uh, you know he he wanted to transition and. Doctors wouldn't let him. Right. So he starts kidnapping and murdering women and taking their skin and making a suit, a lady right. suit out of it. And it's terrifying. But just the way that he does it is so... This is going to sound very dumb again, but he clearly as an actor found the the route that made it make sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which for... A character like that would be very difficult to do. Yeah, right. But it's so clearly in this character and not, it's not even, I don't even think he, he thinks he's doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Do you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just so, so well portrayed. Yeah. When you're watching a villain like that, a a monster, complete monster. Yeah. Who is, who you, you can tell that the actor really like found the sympathy for Mm -hmm. them even if that seems impossible, you know what I mean? That's right. like a really uh, strong thing. Yeah. Uh, influential also, I would, I, I'm just thinking of all the things this movie has influenced mm-hmm. and, um, the X-Files came up for me. That's okay. like, it's, it's so influential on the X-Files. Like those guys looking at the, at the, uh, moths, are so like the lone gunman from the X Files. Like that's. I didn't know. watch the X Files. I know, I know. You don't know what I'm talking about, but like, believe me, somebody just, does. Just say like, yeah, you're right. Mike. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and also that there's that scene in the end. Well, we haven't really like we've just been bouncing around so far, but I like, know. but the scene at the very the way the climax is set up. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, Jodie Foster's going here and the FBI's going here and the movie kind of makes you think one thing and then another thing is going on. Mm-hmm. That thing is so influential and I've seen it so many times since then. The fake out. The fake out and the thing 
the scene where Jodie Foster is in his house mm-hmm. talking to him before mm-hmm. it all goes to shit or whatever, like, like that's like you know that's like Mayor of Easttown. That's like every th- every like I feel like that's in every serial killer or crime drama thing is yeah. like the the cop alone against the guy. You know I don't know. It's just like watching this. It feels like such a um uh like a. Rosetta Stone of American film in the last <laughs> oh, thirty boy. years, like yeah, yeah, fuck off, like I get it, but <laughs> but really, like it just felt so influential watching yeah. this. Yeah. So anyway, we'll start. If you haven't seen Silence of the Lambs, we'll make this very quick. Oh, Jodie Foster, she's an FBI like trainee cadet. Student. Yeah, she's like, a trainee. She's not even like an agent yet, or anything. no. And um, but she's got so much potential. So much potential, and her boss, or not her boss, like the like an actual yeah, her boss, Jack Crawford, played by Scott Glenn, who is an FBI guy agent. He's agent. an he's an, he's like the the guy who's running the the yeah. training. He's invest he's investigating this these uh, killings by the serial killer named Buffalo Bill, and he sends Jodie Foster to get some information. From Hannibal Lecter, who's an incarcerated uh, cannibal killer. And, I mean, talk about influential. Like, Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter, obviously, is just, like, one of the most influential characters, performances. Yeah, just permeates every, every... Thing. And I think I think the thing they're both great, but the thing that Ted Levine does with Buffalo Bill, Buffalo Bill, making him kind of pathetic and finding the way in, is like it's like the opposite of what Anthony I Hopkins does. I was just does. gonna oh, say yeah. no, no, it's just like I, like stark contrast mm-hmm. to the portrayal of Buffalo Bill is Anthony Hopkins' portrayal of Hannibal Lecter, right. where it's just fucking batshit, right. and and the. But bad that's shit, but not, in control. Yes, and it's not. That's not to say that uh, one is better than the other, but it's it's a different way to approach this kind of character that is a monster. Right. And it's like you can either kind of find that seed of of truth and and sympathy where you're able to portray this person as a real person, or you can just say, "Oh, this person is just bat shit," right? And is just these are the things that he wants. And that's it. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, we not to get too far into it because I don't have a degree, but like uh, sociopaths, you know what I mean? Right. It's just they want what they want and they don't have empathy and they are not thinking about the consequences of their actions. They're just doing because that's what they want. Right. And that is very much how he portrays Hannibal Lecter and probably how that character would be as a person. Right. Well, Hannibal Lecter... And that's why, I mean, he's so iconic in American lore now. Like, everyone knows who that is. Mm-hmm. And it's because he's he's portrayed as, it's, he's almost like a superhero or something. Like, he's yeah. just, he's got, like, superpowers. And he's like, <laughs> but a serial killer. And I think that a serial killer who's not, like, a pathetic piece of shit, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Which is what, like, Buffalo Bill is. And what I think, like, real serial killers are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. They're just like pathetic guys who can't get hard. And so, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I don't mean that it's not pathetic if you can't get hard, but I just mean like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they just like suck. Yeah. <laughs> guys, serial killers suck. No, but I mean like they're just dudes <laughs> who can't like talk to people and they don't, they can't process like what, if it's a sexual thing or if it's a, it's a social thing or if it's a, 
whatever. They're just like pathetic pieces of shit. And mm-hmm. I think that that's like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not like, Hey, I'm an ally. I'm coming out against serial killers. I'm just saying like, <laughs> I'm just saying like, that's, that's a, uh, a way to look at them. Hannibal Lecter is not that. No. Hannibal Lecter is like, I am in full control. I have, I am, you kind of like him. Yeah. Which I think is like great. I mean, I love this movie so much. Mm-hmm. I if someone wanted to make a case that it was like one of the most harmful movies of all time, I'd be like, "Yep, yeah, <laughs> I get it." Because they make like you know they make him a guy who you're kind of like very interested in. He's so charismatic. Mm-hmm. He's so interesting. He's so smart. Yeah, he's so talented. He's like well, and they tell. Uh, the Jodie Foster character's name, I'm Clarice. Wow. Clarice Starling. Come on. Very famous line. Yeah. Very famous line. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, they tell Clarice as she's going in to talk to him. They say, do not give him any personal information. Nothing. Right. Because he's so manipulative and he's so good at what he does. And he even, she doesn't even say anything to him really. And he still comes up with a whole you know, backstory for her that seems to be true. Um, And yeah, he's just, he's smart. He's so smart. Well, and Anthony Hopkins is also doing, I mean, he's kind of like camp almost. Yeah. In a really, like he's fun to watch. Yeah. You know, and and that's that's not bad. I love it. Yeah, like I was reading all of this stuff about, uh, you know, he based part of his, he said he based part of his character on, a friend that he had. <laughs> cool friend. Who, I know. But who uh, rarely blinked and it creeped everyone out. That thing. So that was like a big thing. I always forget this, but the reveal of the first time you see Lecter. Uh-huh. That, so there's so many POV shots. The whole movie is like POV shots and shots of people's faces looking into the camera. Yeah. Which I love. Mm-hmm. And is so effective, especially like where it goes in the very end. Yeah. But the thing where, you know, she's tracking down that hallway in the prison and comes to the end. And it's like she's passing all these prisoners mm-hmm. who are just like batshit crazy ah, and yeah. insane and whispering shit to her and all this stuff. And then she comes around the corner to his cell and he is standing stock still in the center of his cell. Yeah. Brightly lit and just sm- like there. Slight smile. Yeah, slight smile. Yeah. And just and that is such a cool, fun way to introduce him. Yeah. Because it's not like, oh, he's in the shadows. Later he's in the shadows. Yeah. But like but if even he, when he's in the shadows, it's not like a weird vampiric, like, he moves out of the shadows yeah. creepily. Like, he's just sitting in his cell yeah. in the shadows. Yeah. Um, yeah there's the stillness, the the not blinking, um, which connects to Rebecca, actually, which oh, we'll yeah. talk about in a minute. But, um, but yeah, he just, uh, you know, again, this all feels very silly to say, but he plays Hannibal Lecter masterfully. He really does. Uh, <laughs> Guys, Anthony Hopkins, good actor. Right, exactly. This feels, this, this whole, uh, just throw this in the trash. Who cares? We're just saying Dante Lambs <laughs> is good. Um, there is a lot of interesting stuff, uh, you know, and we talk about this stuff on the podcast all the time, and so I, I wanted to bring it up, but, like, mm-hmm. there were a lot of LGBT people who were mad at this movie. Yeah. And who were protesting and all this stuff, and I think Jonathan Demme, who made the movie, is, like, you know, he's aware of this stuff. He's not a, Mm -hmm. he's not a monster. He's like a smart guy who like is concerned about this stuff. But, and so there's lines in the movie where they're like, no, he's the term at the time was transsexual. And so like they say transsexual a lot and, and like they make such a point of saying like, 
Oh, he's not a transsexual. Buffalo Bill we're talking about now. Yeah. Sorry. He's not a transsexual. He's, you know, he he's always just looking f- to change. That's the way. So this is the thing he's latched onto, but he's not actually. That's why he's rejected and all this mm. stuff. But LGBT people did feel at the time, some did anyway, I don't know, you mm. know, uh, that it was like a hugely harmful thing and that it was making people scared of trans people and, and that making it into a, what's the word, uh, like a, a psychosis or a, you yeah. know what I mean, a... a a disease kind yeah. of that would make people scared that, Oh, trans people are killers, you know? Right. Um, and yeah. And it's, it's, and I would never, uh, uh, say that they were wrong or say that, you know, that's not what's going on here. Uh, because I, I agree with them that this is harmful and not, uh, a good portrayal of right. <laughs> someone who is trans. Um, I think the movie does try to combat that. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, even in the the explanation of Buffalo Bill went to several doctors to try and get surgery and they all rejected him. And that's kind of what made him go crazy. Mm -hmm. Right. You're not supposed to say crazy anymore, but whatever. (laughs) Sorry. Apologies. I'm trying. I said Um, transsexual several times. So I'm in a, you know. um, But yeah. So so that's kind of what made him start kidnapping women and killing them and cutting their skin off. Right. Um, so I, I, there, there's, there's a point where I can see that the movie is trying. Uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> well, yeah, the effect and, of it was probably still to make people think like, you know what I mean? Even though it, yeah. it checks its boxes effectively where it says like, no, he's not actually right. transgender, but you know, it was a huge movie that a lot of people saw that probably like affected people in a way. Yeah, in a way. absolutely, anyway. absolutely. Um, a thing I want to say about this movie, that watching it this time, that really jumped out at me that I hadn't thought of before was like, mm. and this is like a, maybe a weird thing to fixate on, but the locations, like mm. the way the places they were looked like the places they were supposed to be, <laughs> um, which feels like a very basic thing to say, but like, but yeah, when they're in, you know, they, they, go, they're traveling all around like, uh, like West Virginia and Tennessee and Ohio and, mm-hmm. and all these things to, to with Buffalo Bill's victims and then Baltimore to visit Lecter and, and uh, you know, Virginia the, or Quantico or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just watching it, I was like, this movie feels very real. Real, It yeah. feels super real. Like, yeah. And so much of that is the performances and everything's so good in it, but also like the locations just feel real. And I feel like that's not, there's something about the way movies are made now that mm-hmm. is not this way. I yeah. don't know. I maybe and maybe maybe they all they shot in one town in maybe the whole thing was shot in LA and I don't know it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not you know, but it was like done effectively. Yeah. But it does feel like now it's like, oh, we're shooting this movie in Atlanta, so everything in Atlanta has to look like this this one location, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, this movie felt like they were traveling around, like they were going to different places. Like it, it felt, it was just a weird thing that jumped out at me this time. I was like, Oh, the, there's something about the locations that really works for me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and, and just piggybacking off of it feels so real. The thing that terrified me the most about this movie was so Buffalo Bill, his MO that is that he is uh, kidnapping and killing 
Uh, was she a big fat person? Was she a big fat person? Um, so, uh, fat women. Yeah. Uh, specifically they say in the movie a size 14, 16. Uh-huh. Uh, and not only was I, am I a size 14, 16, but also, uh, the way that he, so he, we see him kidnap someone and it's very, uh, yeah. Ted Bundy. He has his arm in a sling. He's trying to get a couch into the back of his van. He asks for help. And he doesn't ask for help. He's just struggling getting the and, yeah, he and she even... she's going into her apartment and she goes, Do you want some help? And like helps him and then that's how he uh gets her. And that's literally how I get serial killed, is like <laughs> trying to help somebody. Right. Because you're an empathetic person. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> just like seeing someone struggling and trying to help them. Right. Um I didn't really yeah. think of that, that it's like it, yeah, as a as a fat woman it'd be like oh shit yeah like <laughs> right this person is coming after me specifically. yeah specifically it's a very specific horror movie yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah um I, and there's a lot of stuff happening in the movie about jodie foster's character being a woman and being small yeah. there's a lot of shots of lot her of like there's a right in the beginning there's a shot of her in an elevator with a bunch of fbi agents they're all men they're all a head taller than mm-hmm. she is and they all kind of like look at her and there's a lot of stuff like yeah, that the going autopsy on. room where she's looking around they're all just looking at her yeah or the funeral home the yeah funeral. yeah so there's a lot of stuff like that happening and and this kind of fight for her to prove that she's capable and um it is it, it, it's there's something about it that this time i kind of bumped with where so she when especially the first time she goes to see hannibal She's very uh, meek mm-hmm. and mild and uh, is not. I'm not saying she shouldn't be scared in that moment. Yeah. But I think I wanted to see more of a front. Right. No, and then I, know I what you mean. like I, I wanted her mean. to walk in with more confidence. She I wanted her to just be like a little fucked up by him. Yeah. yeah. I wanted her to just be a little bit more. Uh, trying to prove herself in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it turns out she is very capable and does an amazing <laughs> job and like solves the cakes and right. saves this Spo- woman. Hey, spoiler alert. Come yeah. on. Yeah. But you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I just, it's not, and I, and I certainly don't mean to like, uh, you know, say that her Jody's performance was bad. Jody. If you're listening. <laughs> no, cause if that's not pod. it. That's not it. I don't think it's her performance. I think there's something about, how the scene is written or how she was told to play it where it's like, I just want to see a little bit more bravado from her. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You know, to me it it works because like she's a kid, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it works. It works. But, but it, it does, she does immediately like immediately just lose it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to no, say. No, I'm not going to repeat the ring where I just didn't speak. <laughs> no, I, I uh, and then I just wanted to say my other note here is the, my only other complaint about this film is that the m- music makes it sound like a Lifetime movie. <laughs> we need to we need to redo the soundtrack. <laughs> Ooh, I disagree. <laughs> no, no, you, you don't. If you, <laughs> if you were paying attention, you're blinded by... The 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 icon status of this film. Yeah, probably. The music is bad. The music <laughs> is really bad. Um, That's so funny. Also, do you remember seeing Silence the Musical? Yes, I do remember. That, that. was 
really fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like off, off Broadway. And it was just this really great, like there was a whole song about it. Puts the lotion in the basket. Yeah. It, it was, was so funny. Right. And it's um, only the, it was a thing we, I don't know when we saw that probably before. years ago. I'm going to find the playbill and post it somewhere. Cause probably that was like we really had kids. fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before we had kids for sure. Yeah. Um, I do remember that. And that's the, that's like one of those things that you that you could only do with an iconic movie yeah. that everyone knows every line of because it was very. I remember. I think I remember seeing it and being like, "Oh, we should have watched the movie." Right? Yeah, because I only got like half the <laughs> yeah, references. Exactly. Yeah, because we had obviously seen the movie, but like, oh, we should have really rewatched it before. <laughs> um, the thing that I wanted to say. Oh, I'm just so fascinated with how this movie does. It, like it invented the modern serial killer movie in mm. a way. And like, it's interesting because he does the, it does all the shit that, that all these movies do. Like he gives her a fake name. That's an anagram of something. Yeah. But it is so glossed over. You know what I mean? It's not like, like it's not her on the floor with Scrabble tiles, like rearranging <laughs> it. And then like a zoom in to be like, whatever it is. Like, it's so just it, the movie itself, the way Jonathan Demi like directs it and stuff, is so not concerned mm-hmm. with making the serial killers seem like cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though it is with Hannibal Lecter, Hannibal Lecter is so cool. But that's <laughs> I think that's his performance, right? That's his performance. But then, but like, it's not it, like it's not. I don't know. There's just an interesting thing happening there where all the like puzzle shit is so not what this movie's concerned about. It's so concerned about the characters and the... The mood. The mood. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. And and I think um, I think it's uh, good. I think it's a good movie. (laughs) Silence of the Lambs. Loved it. This was a a Criterion Blu-ray. Criterion Blu-ray. So... Uh, it's two discs. There's so many commentaries. So much just good like, stuff, yeah. Yeah, tons of extras. Um, weren't there deleted scenes? Was this one that yeah, was like deleted Yeah, there was like 30 scenes? minutes of deleted scenes that we started watching, and I was like, I feel like I'm watching my parents have sex. Like, this is not, <laughs> I should not be watching this. Because it was not just like, oh, a deleted scene. It was like little trims from the, from, from that, the, the Clarice Lecter, like first encounter. And I was like, oh no, I don't want to see like, this isn't what I was meant to see. Right. I was not meant to see this. It's so tight. Exactly. And And like, there's a reason they took this stuff out and it was just like lines. Yeah. I was like, oh no, 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 no. I'm not watching this. (laughs) Um, yeah. Good. Uh, guys, Silence of the Lambs. Good movie. Our second Jonathan Demme movie, by the way. Our second Jonathan Demme. The first being... Stop, Stop making, making sense. sense. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Um, okay. Is it available? Uh, you can watch it on a Fubo. If you How have Fubo. is Silence of the Lambs not more widely available? Because these companies, they don't give a shit about anyone or anything, man. <laughs> They're not here to preserve film history. They're here to fucking make you watch Squid Game, bro. And then, <laughs> I don't know. But like you know, that's why we own physical media because you, you're just never gonna get. You're never everything. gonna, get, yeah. yeah. That is crazy to me, though. This seems like it should be available somewhere. It's some some contract means it's it can only air on USA or whatever. Yeah. And when that's up in three years, it'll show up on Netflix. And <laughs> I don't know. Oh man! All right. What's the connection? Two connections. Two for the in same this economy for the same two actors. Oh. 
Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. He plays Hannibal Lecter in Science of the Lambs. I don't oh. know if you've heard of it. And Lawrence Olivier. Who's that? He, you know, some guy. Okay. Um, they were in two movies together. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Olivier is in Rebecca. Yeah. And Anthony Hopkins and Lawrence Olivier were both in A Bridge Too Far, um, which is about a, a bridge that's very far away from 1977. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what that's about. I think it's a I war. Like, I think it's a war movie. Uh... I don't know. And The Bounty from 1984. They were both in both. Both in both. A classic. Both in both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next movie is... Really should have the document up. <laughs> Rebecca from 1940, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Hitchy Dick! I think it's our third. We did Notorious. Notorious. We did Psycho. Right? Any more? No, so, that's it, yeah. Okay, so our third Hitchcock. The IMDb summary is, A self-conscious woman juggles adjusting to her new role as an aristocrat's wife and avoiding being intimidated by his first wife's spectral presence. Wow, that's that's not a great summary. That's not a great summary. It's so it is Rebecca. It's based on a famous novel. Mm-hmm. It's uh yeah, I mean, you know, it's Joan Fontaine, mm-hmm. who's gorgeous by the way. Right. And well, we're going to get into it. What are we going to get into? Oh, you'll hear. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um and she uh, is on vacation in the south of France. Mm-hmm. Or no, she's not on vacation. She's a... Uh, companion. Companion. A paid companion. A paid companion. In the south of France. Which to, sounds like we're politely saying that she's a sex worker. And that's not what's going on No. Here. To Mrs. Van Hopper. Yes. And who's a just a real character. Who I remember when I first saw this movie, I thought was fucking hilarious. See, it's pretty funny. It She's pretty just funny. like kind of like a monstrous white rich lady. Yeah, exactly. Um, so and she has this companion. Um, uh, what's her name? It's played by Joan Fontaine. What's the main well, character's she, name? It's a great question. You want it? She doesn't have a name. They call her Mrs. De Winter. That is her character's name. She never gets a name? Nope. Wow. 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 <laughs> um, while there, she falls in love with Max de Winter, Maxim mm-hmm. de Winter, mm-hmm. Lawrence Olivier, who's like very rich, yeah, very tortured, tortured, very interesting. Mm-hmm. He sweeps her off her feet, steals her away from her boss, yeah, takes her back to Manderley. It's so much Manderley talk. Oh my God, Manderley. Manderley's their estate. Yes, and um. While when once she gets there, she's the lady of the house. Mm-hmm. She has to deal with all the stuff, mm-hmm. all the things, the parties, all the stuff. Mrs. Danvers, who's the who's the lead, the house, the head housemaid, head housemaid. Yeah, if you if you've watched Bridgerton, it's there's a similar plot line that happens oh, in there okay. for a moment of just transferring to a new estate and suddenly being the person in charge and trying to figure all that out. Thank you for translating this to Gen Z for me. <laughs> You're welcome um, <laughs> for all of our Gen Z listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then, but there's a, a presence looming over, and it's Rebecca. It's the first Mrs. De Winter who died mysteriously. Yes. And uh, on a boat. On a sailing. boat. And so 
she's dealing with, will she ever measure up to Mrs. DeWinter? Is Max still in love with Rebecca? Mm -hmm. All these things. So it's, and it all comes to a head in all sorts of unexpected ways. That's the plot of Rebecca. Yes. And I knew nothing about it. Nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. Not a thing. Except that it was a Hitchcock film that I had not seen. Okay. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and it had been on my list forever, and it, it was an interesting watch for me. I'll say that. Yeah. I didn't dislike it. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure that I liked it, though. Okay. Um, uh, a couple of notes. One. The intro makes it feel like a musical. Okay. Like fully, I was like, I, like there was a moment where I was like, is this a Hitchcock musical? And now having watched the whole thing, I'm like, this would make a killer musical. I bet there's a musical of it. I bet there's a musical. There might be. Yeah. But it, yeah, it really lends itself to musicality. Yeah, sure. Um, the, the second note I have is, I can't believe he likes this. They're talking at Gilmore Girl speed. Because that whole, it got less as we went on. Yeah. But that whole first section in the south of France, it was like, but a bit a bit a bit, but a bit a bit a bit, but a bit a bit a bit a bit a bit a bit a bit. And I was like, you hate that. Well, here's the difference though is that I'm not supposed to empathize with Mrs. Van Hopper. She's supposed to be a monster talking that fast. But they're all talking that fast. Not not Joan Fontaine. Beautiful yeah. Joan Fontaine. You're bringing up an interesting thing, which is that, like, that first part, it feels like either you're watching a You mean the part in the south of France? Yeah. Because there are, like, sections to this movie. Oh, like, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And that first section in the south of France does feel like a musical. To me, it felt like a comedy. Mm, like, yeah. I was like, oh, we're watching, like, a fun comedy. Yeah, I think I said, I was like... Is this a horror film? Is this a is this belong here? Well, that's an interesting thing too. Is that like I may have misremembered like whether or not there was an actual ghost in this movie when I put it on our spooky <laughs> list. I mean, I think the, the the problem is is that it's Hitchcock, so you automatically want to put it in the spooky section. It's not. I mean, like, there's, like, a a trial and a murder mystery, sort of. It has of, thriller and, aspects, but yeah. spooky? Sp like, I would say atmospherically, though, it walks right up to the line. Absolutely. Like, like, spoiler alert, is there an actual ghost in this movie? No. No. But, the, you know, Mrs. Danvers especially, she's walking around with a candle mm. in the dark, and she's confronting... Uh, why didn't they give the fucking character a name? It's a great question. <laughs> it's a great question. Why didn't they give her a name? What are you what are you saying? What are I, you getting at? What I'm getting at is that here we go. Here we go. All I'm reading out there's a ton of trivia for this movie. Okay. And the way that they treated what's her name? Joan Fontaine. Joan Fontaine. Yeah. Who is a beautiful woman. Yes. And does a really incredible job playing this character. Yeah, is, is amazing. Is infuriating to me. So apparently, Lawrence was mad that uh, his girlfriend, I assume, at the time, Vivian Lee, Lee? was not cast. Mm -hmm. So treated Joan horribly. Okay. Right? Like, made her life miserable. Okay. Hitchcock then played off of that and was whispering in her ear, all Lady Macbeth-like, saying how 
uh, the cast hated her, thought she was really bad, to create an atmosphere of her feeling uncomfortable. Which is, and that's how he got the performance out of her. I mean, Hitchcock's like a monster. like Absolutely. But uh, it sounds like fucking Laurence Olivier is a monster too. You get what you get and you don't get upset. I'm sorry your girlfriend wasn't cast, (laughs) but you got to get over it. Do you You want the job or not? Right. Totally. Like, ooh. Ooh. That is your, that is like a thing that you, and I agree with you, Mm -hmm. that you deeply hate, which is the... The manipulating actors, the real life manipulation of actors, yeah, right to get to get a performance as opposed to just being a good director, right, being a director, yeah. trusting your actors, giving them direction, right. and taking it like exactly the thing where it's like, oh, I'm gonna tell you your mom died, and then you know what I mean, like right. all that stuff. That is a thing that I know gets your goat. It really, truly does. Specifically, um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, talking about. Sorry, now we're going to go back to how that first section feels like a comedy or feels yeah. like a different movie. I wrote down a couple of lines. She <laughs> So there's a whole section of it where she is, uh, Mrs. DeWinter, is sneaking off away from her companion yeah. to uh, go out with uh, Mr. DeWinter. Right. Um, and she walks into the room in full tennis gear, carrying a racket. <laughs> And she goes, oh, where are you going? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just, like, I was like, <laughs> But that's that's the thing is that this movie's really funny. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and I think, like, intentionally so. Like, I think, you know, there's stuff, I, there's stuff in it where you, I think the movie knows what it's doing and is very funny throughout, even mm-hmm. in the darker parts of it. It's, like, has the dark comedy to it. Yeah. And I remember, I hadn't seen this in a long time. I remember watching it and loving it like 10 years ago, 15 mm-hmm. years ago, you know? Um, and I think that it's like, it's like a dark comedy throughout. And I don't know, it has the tonal it's stuff a, and it yeah, really works for me. It's a real interesting one. The other, the other thing that I wrote, the other line that I wrote down that was very funny is uh, Laurence Olivier saying, I'm asking you to marry me, you little fool. I have that exact <laughs> line written down. I'm asking you to marry me, you little fool. I just Very like, good. I love that. Yeah. I have a couple I have a couple lines like that written down. One of them is, Mrs. DeWinter was most particular about sauces. Because <laughs> that's Mrs. Danvers, the housekeeper, who is mm-hmm. like uh, very ominous. Is that the right word? Very yeah. just like cold... Well, the new Mrs. DeWinter. Yes. And very slight sidetrack, just to take it back, the connection with Silence of the Lambs is that she was also instructed to blink as little as possible. Oh. Well, she does a great job. That is Judith Anderson. Yeah. The actress. Incredible. And she's incredible. She has a real look about her. Like, she has a real, like, I, I don't know if this makes sense. She has a very modern face. She has a face mm-hmm. where I was like, that would be... That's not a face you see in old movies. Yeah. As much. And I feel like she would, if she was alive today, she'd be doing like, she'd be doing like weird indie movie comedies that take place in Brooklyn or something. I don't know. <laughs> but she's, um, she's so good in this movie and she's so creepy and weird yeah. and terrifying. And I think there's also like, there's, there's, there's definitely like, I like homoerotic subtext with her obsession with with Rebecca, Rebecca. The, the dead yeah. Mrs. DeWinter. Yeah. Which I think oh, is yeah. really 
fun to watch. The whole movie's fun, I think. I mm-hmm. think it's really fun to watch. It is. It's fun to watch. I mean, it's, Hitch- it's Hitchcock, so you've got that... You know exactly what you're watching, you yeah. know what I mean, or what you're in for. It feels a little long. We, it did, it did we in long. fact, we took two nights to watch it because I was falling asleep, and yeah. not because it wasn't interesting, but because I was so tired. Yeah, guys, we're but, real tired. But, uh, but yeah, it's long. It. What was interesting is that I feel like with a lot of old films, there's a lot more exposition or a lot more of telling and not showing, right? That's the big thing with okay. stories now. It's it's show, don't tell, right? Um, and most of that is just like what their capabilities were, right? When yeah. you're shooting the movie. This, but it, I I saw, and I don't necessarily think that Hitchcock is, is consistently guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You could see, because there's a big moment where, uh, spoiler, um, he, uh, Mr. DeWinter is confessing that. Oh, yeah. Uh, is confessing something <laughs> and describing what happened that night. Yeah. And you don't see it. Whereas if this movie happened now, which there's a remake of this with Army Hammer. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we gotta watch that next. I, we really, I kind of want to see it. Yeah. Um, but if you're, if you're watching that now, he starts confessing and you, it's like, and you see it happen. Yeah. Right. And that didn't happen in this movie, but it pans around the room in such a way where parts of he's telling the story He's telling the story off camera. Right. And it's just, it, it was just very interesting. I wrote that exact scene down. I love that scene. Yeah. Because the movie, so I put it on our spooky list and then we're watching it and I'm like, oh shit, did I fuck up? Is this not a spooky movie? <laughs> fuck up. Even though it's very spooky, it's not, there's no ghost in it. Yeah. There's no like, like there's no supernatural spooky. thing that happens in it. Yeah. But the atmosphere is so spooky. But then that scene, it's like, and I'm not saying, I'm not just trying to relate this to like, is it spooky or not? Mm. Um, but that scene, it just really brought it home for me because it's a tracking shot. He's describing something that happened with Rebecca, who's yeah. not there anymore, who never shows up in the movie in no. any way, which is so such a strong decision mm-hmm. that there's no Rebecca ever seen in the movie. Right. And in your movie called Rebecca. Right, exactly. And But she fucking looms. Yeah. And that scene where he's describing what she said to him that night and it's tracking with her and you're like, your brain is, is seeing her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like in the way that a novel works almost or something is I, I thought that was so like fascinating and interesting for a movie about a woman who's not there, but is looming large. And then the, the, the shot just makes you conjure her almost, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, I like love that. So yeah. Much. It's really well done. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it, again, it feels very silly to say Hitchcock, uh, did a couple of things, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, and it's, it, yeah, like I said, it's very interesting watch. Very cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know the thing. It the, didn't, didn't get you. Though. It didn't get That's me. Okay. And, and it's not, again, it's not bad. I had a fine time watching it. I'm glad that I finally saw it, but I don't know that I'm like, Ooh, I really want to watch it again. Yeah. You know, like, Ooh, or this is making the top 100 list or whatever, sure. you know? Um, but yeah, it was fine. It was fine. It was fine for me. Like 
this movie, I didn't, I remember like loving, loving it. And mm. I loved it watching it this time. I didn't, I, I, maybe I was just like, I, I don't know. I was kind of distracted. I think we were both fucking exhausted. <laughs> like just so fucking tired all the time. Um, but anyway, so, uh, a thing that just struck me though is like, you know, with these old, like, this is the opposite of what I always say. It's like, oh, movies need to be like 65 minutes or whatever. Mm. Um, but this movie, it reminded me of watching like one of my favorite movies, which is Seven Samurai, mm. because there's so much in it. it you know what I mean? That like, yeah. and it, th- this movie has like comedy and weird, dark stuff and ghosts and, and drama and romance and all this stuff. It's like everything you need in one movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's one huge meal. Um, and that's how I feel about Seven Samurai, too. It's like everything you need. I mean, there's, I don't think there's any women in Seven Samurai, so maybe not romance. But, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, no, that's not true at all, actually. There's a whole section now that I'm thinking of it. Um, anyway, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it felt really like like a full meal, like fully like lush and just like a lot going on. Yeah. And I loved the final fire, which I had forgotten about. There's mm-hmm. like a fire in the climax. It's so cool. Yeah. Like feels, I think this is like a, like a, a David Selznick production or something like that. Just mm. one of those big producers who's like, we're going to set, you know, the, the, this whole thing on fire and we're going to yeah. do this whole thing. And we're well, gonna it's shoot. a model. Yeah, the exteriors right. of the estate is a, they. It said uh, they couldn't find exactly what they were looking for, so they built a model. Yeah, and you can tell, especially in the beginning, that little that tracking stuff. Yeah. through the fog, like up to it, but it looks so cool. It looks really good, and like I don't know, I just really I loved it. I enjoyed watching it again. Yeah, Rebecca. Rebecca, okay, is it available? No. Oh you shit! You cannot watch this digitally at all. Wow. Like, you can't buy it even. Wow. You can buy it on DVD if there's a Criterion Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. This is a Criterion DVD that we have. But oh, like, it is? Yeah. But it's not the Blu-ray. Just it's not the DVD. Blu-ray. It's okay. just a DVD. So, but you can't watch this anywhere wow. besides physical media, baby. That's right. <laughs> Team PM. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I mean, I think I know what's what's happening here. What do you think is happening here? We're keeping both of these. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Not only do we have a save available a save, to us, yeah. but also uh, the fact that you can't get Rebecca anywhere right. and the fact that you can only sort of get Sons of the Lambs. Right. And it's Silence of the Lambs. You're right. What are you what are you what are you doing? Yeah. So I think uh We're gonna use our save that we got from yeah. getting rid of both the graduate and the, the nanny, nanny diaries. diaries. <laughs> so we're we banked a save. We're using it. We're using to that keep save. Both Silence of the Lambs and Rebecca. Yeah. So a little anticlimactic, but <laughs> but also. But have I mentioned that we're both very tired today? <laughs> Does that help? Oh boy! All right. Should we pick this next matchup? We're back. We're back. We're to not to the full list, we're y'all. We're non-spooky. We're non-spooky. Um, but we might get spooky. Who knows? Wait, I mean, we have so many spookies. Yes. Sometimes a spooky is going to happen in a non-spooky month. Um. That's true. Hey, that's true. You know that's right. <laughs> hey Siri. Hmm. 
Pick a number between 1 and 1,321. A random number between 1 and 1,321 is 530. 530 is from 2005. Hard Candy. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, man. I love this movie. I have not seen it probably since 2005. Really? I've definitely seen it. Because every now and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch Hard Candy. It's, oh, we'll get into it next week. But it is, the performances are incredible. And it's just like, holy shit. Our favey fave, Patrick Wilson, right? Our our buddy, Patrick Wilson. And Elliot Page. Elliot Page. Um, Our buddy who you saw at a coffee shop one time, Patrick. (laughs) At a coffee shop and at Home Depot. Oh, great. Um, Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I love this movie. It's a a tough watch, but it's so good. Um, Love it. Great. Excited. All right. Let's see what's going up against it. Hey, Siri. Uh Uh-huh. Pick a number between 1 and 1,321. A random number between 1 and 1,321 is 374. 374, you say? I do. From 2007. Enchanted. Aw. Aw. <laughs> it's been a minute since I've watched Enchanted. Sure. That's fun. Yeah. Great. All right. Hard Candy and Enchanted. A uh, very strange matchup. Very strange. I'm trying Just, to think of any thematic connections. Not. I mean, technically, like, children? Right. Uh, <laughs> you know what? We'll get into it next week. Gonna be a weird one. Gonna be a weird one. Get ready. Y'all, thank you so much for listening, especially if you got this far. We're DVD Deathmatch in all of the places. We got the Insta. We got the Twitter. We got the Gmail. We got the World Wide Web. And I hope that you have enjoyed spooky season, that you've done something spooky for yourself. It could be a light spook. It could be a heavy spook. Whatever you're down for. All right? (laughs) Great. (laughs) Come back next week and see who survives. DVD DVD Deathmatch. A young... Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna roll it back. Oh yeah, shot, 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 shot. <laughs> <laughs> Our IMDb summary is...